This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Clem, publisher of the Plaid Horse Magazine. And Sissy Wicks, editor of the Plaid Horse Magazine. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning Weekend Plaidcast Edition on the Horse Radio Network for Saturday, November 21st, 2016. This episode is brought to you by EponaExchange.com and Inside Your Ride, the podcast, coming January 2017. Good morning, Horse World. Horses in the Morning Weekend Edition presents the Plaidcast. So the December 2016 issue of the Plaid Horse Magazine came out this weekend. Um, subscriptions make a great holiday gift. Sissy, can you tell us about a few of the articles in this issue? Well, this issue was the education issue, and I think we did a great job covering a variety of educational themes. We have an article on Casanova College, which has a wonderful equine business management program. We have an article on Claiborne Bishop and the UVA equestrian team. We have an article on signature tutoring. We have all kinds of great and innovative uh, editorial for everybody to read. And Piper, I have to thank you for taking me to the EAP HQC finals at Lake Erie College last weekend. I came out of that weekend feeling really revitalized and optimistic and uh, just amazed at the youth that surrounded us that weekend. So it was quite a positive experience and I'm very appreciative of the fact that the Plaid Horse sponsors the HQC because I think it's a wonderful program and I wish more of the kids in the U.S. took advantage of it. The kids that we saw that weekend were were inspired and educated and and polite and really interested in in horsemanship and our equestrian industry. So I want to thank you for that experience. It was really quite something and, and a great Thanksgiving gift. And this was the United States Hunter Jumper Association Emerging Athletes Program, EAP, and Horsemanship Quiz Challenge National Finals at Lake Erie College. And Lake Erie was an incredible facility. They had wonderful horses. Um, A lot of the horses that did the EAP um, were school horses that they have there that were capable of doing the 3-6 EAP Nations Cup. And so that was really awesome that they had such quality horses there for the students to ride. And it's always great to see new schools and new facilities through the nationals. Um, We're going to have Peter Wild on today as a guest who is the head clinician for the EAP nationals every year talking about the program. So there were 16 riders in EAP and five stable managers and then 21 competitors on the horsemanship quiz challenge side. So there was a lot of young energy and eagerness to learn and it's really amazing to see in our sport. It really was. It was a great weekend. It was a great weekend. And I hope that everybody listening pays attention to those programs and and encourages 
their children, their students themselves to participate in them because they are very worthwhile. Also today on the podcast, we have Nona Garson, uh, Olympian and Pan Am team medalist, and her partner, George D'Ambrosio, who together operate the Ridge Farm in New Jersey and in Wellington, Florida. They have a new series in 2017 called the Palm Beach Series, which is 13 weeks of horse shows as an alternative to the uh, equestrian sport productions horse shows, also known as WEF. So it's an innovative program. I think they're really trying to listen to the grassroots needs of, of competitors and provide something other than what is in existence now. So we will have an interview with them as well. And I don't think there's ever been a more exciting time to be a horse show competitor from the local derbies and um, like the Orange County Horse Show Association class we sponsored this fall that had a horsemanship component to the medal finals. Um, you know, there are new A and AA rated circuits popping up. Uh, the competitor has more choices than ever to choose the horse show experience that's best for their horse and their goals and themselves. And I don't think it's ever been quite as exciting as it is right now. And I hope that that shows like the Palm Beach series and, and others like them across the country will grow and will provide alternatives for everybody so that we don't just come into this one monolithic model that seems to be growing as we speak. So we're going to take a short break and come back with Nona and George. Today's premier sponsor is Epona Exchange. Epona Exchange offers a premium online experience for horse buyers and sellers. Epona Exchange lists horses for sale, stud, and lease from trusted sellers. Visit EponaExchange.com today and receive 50% off a featured listing. On this week's podcast, we are welcoming Nona Garson and George D'Ambrosio of the Ridge Farm. Uh, Nona is an Olympian competing in the Australian Olympics in 2000 on Rhythmical and also a 1995 Team Bronze Pan Am winner. So welcome, Nona. Thank you, Sissy. And George D'Ambrosio is a very well-known horseman who is partners with Nona in the Ridge Farm. They run two horse show series, one in New Jersey called the Ridge at Riverview and one in Wellington, Florida, which consists actually of two different circuits. The Turf Tour, which is a jumper horse show shown on grass all over Wellington. It's quite a phenomenal series of, of jumper days that I've been lucky enough to participate in. And new in 2017, they are introducing the Palm Beach Series, which is 13 weeks of competitive hunter and jumper classes tentatively to be held at the Jim Brandon Equestrian Center. So I welcome you both. I was interested in having you on this podcast because I assess you as real innovators in the horse show community. You have been always responsive to the needs of your constituency in running horse shows that are as good a quality as you can provide in terms of footing, stabling, scheduling, jumps, et cetera. 
So I commend you on the shows you run. I commend you on this alternative series that you are trying to get started in Wellington. And I commend you on being really grassroots innovators. And I'd love to talk to you about your journey from the uh, inception of this idea to what I hope is the actual enactment of the idea in the 2017 Palm Beach series. So can you tell us a little bit about this? All right, if you don't mind, I'll go first. Um, back in, the, I guess it was seven years ago, Nona and I saw a need for some additional equitation uh, classes to, that could qualify people for the finals because we found that horses were being overused during the second part of the year trying to fit in these qualifications with only 12 classes down in Florida, which is a major portion of our friends and exhibitors are at during the wintertime. So we started with our equitation. And then as that grew, we had a call for some of the locals in Wellington because we felt that that level rider was a little bit outclassed and maybe not trained at the level that they needed to be able to compete in the Wellington uh, series at Palm Beach there at Weft. So we decided to do some schooling horse shows, which were Saturday and Sundays, Hunter one day, Jumper the second day. And we did that once a month for four months in a row. Well, as that series took off and people asked for more, you know, more classes, more options, more, you know, shows, Wellington was a little constrictive as far as what you could do on your properties because of the, uh, the town or villages codes. So we had maxed out our property for to be able to use those types of uh, shows. And we decided to start with our turf tour, which was another introduction for you know, jumper riders, we couldn't get the hunters at all because you're limited to how much, how many rings you could actually have on a, uh, a borrowed field or a beautiful polo field or Grand Prix field. We did limit it to the jumpers, but we included children, adult jumpers. We included meter 10, meter 20, 25, 30, young horse classes from five, six, seven, eight-year-olds. And then we had our meter 30, 35 combined heighted um, pre-Grand Prix class on Wednesdays, and then we had our meter 40 Grand Prix for our Friday classes. So we did that for four years. And in our duration of starting with our equitation and our weekend schooling shows, and then going to our two-day-a-week turf tour, we still had a lot of people asking us, to, what can you do for the hunters and what could you do for you know other jumpers and beginner jumper riders? Um, because the fence heights and the amount of space we had didn't allow us to put four rings in. So we decided that we would start our Palm Beach series and with such a beautiful facility as the county had to offer, not seven miles from where the main horse show was, we thought that that would be an ideal facility to be able to now introduce from cross rails to a small level Grand Prix, meter 45 Grand Prix, and really give everybody in the local community an opportunity to prepare themselves. We really consider our series a developmental and instructional series, whereas we have firsthand seminars that we're trying to help people with in the construction of show courses, how you build gymnastics, ways to train a young horse, ways to develop yourself for a high-level uh, equitation rider. So included in our series are these seminars because we feel it's a very, very important time right now to really help educate those that don't have the full uh, um, ability to have somebody that's qualified at WEF to be able to be there all full year round. So that's kind of what we, why we developed those series. 
And tell me about navigating the mileage exemption with USCF, because I know that's a battle that a lot of people look at, and it, it looks like such a behemoth to approach. How did, how did you get from the, well, the gel of an idea three or four years ago to actually being able to run this series in 2017? I'm going to let Nona run that one by, but Level 2s didn't need a mileage exemption, but she has the rest on that. Yeah, so when we started the equitation, we were doing those on Tuesdays. So that wasn't a, that wasn't a, uh, a day that other horse shows were running. And then in addition to that, uh, the jumper shows that we ran were, were level two and below. So there were USEF re, re, um, recognized level two and below jumper shows. So there's zero mileage restriction for those, those kind of shows. Well, in 2017, um, we are ha- running um, several level two jumper shows. And level two jumper shows in Florida during the winter months have zero mileage restriction. So, um, you know, as long as we, you know, stick to the rules, give the prize money, uh, you know, have all the things uh, and stay under $25,000 on, on any given horse show, we're allowed to run those shows. And then in addition to that, we also run our Hunter Derby Days. Uh, we'll do that three times uh, this, this season. Uh, the first one on January 6th, I believe. And we'll have a $15,000 International Hunter Derby, a $5,000 National Hunter Derby. And for the first time, we're going to have a $5,000 Pony Hunter Derby as well, all recognized by the USEF and the USHJA. That's really exciting. That sounds great. Where do you see the the future of horse shows going? Are we going to be an industry with huge box shows and then local level shows? Where where do you see the evolution of the horse show business going? Well, well you know, as you know, Sissy, we're exhibitors, and um, we've been exhibitors our whole life. Uh, so we've had to deal with you know, the big horse shows, we've had to be, you know, be people that have been competing in different places. And, you know, I've had the privilege to also compete at some of the best venues in the world, you know, during my international career. So what we're trying to do is bring, is bring, you know, really good uh, customer service back, really friendly, comfortable, you know, not trying to fit as many horses as you could fit, fit in. And we're trying to get a little away from the factory horse shows that, unfortunately, are somehow taking over, you know, our world. Yeah. I, I believe that the USCF is really consolidating horse shows to these large managers, where you have Tom Shuziri with five events throughout the country, um, five major show series throughout the country. And you have, um, you know, Mark Bellissimo with now with West Tryon in Colorado, you know, three major, you know, show circuits that he's running. So I find that they're consolidating them and putting all these horses on the restrictive footing that all of these complexes have, which again, if you talk to your vets and things, they're telling you that these footings are causing most of the injuries in horses and a lot of bone bruising that's going on now because of the restrictiveness of it. And we're more, a little more on the old school where horses come first, exhibitors come second, and then the horse shows come third kind of attitude. And we're trying to provide the first two with a softer-based footing, more of a sand-based footing that we're traditionally used to, hence saving the exhibitor the cost of vet bills. And secondly, maybe having to purchase a second and third horse because others are injured due to the commercialized footing that the consolidation is now causing. 
So that's kind of why we're doing what we're doing. Well, how does David compete against Goliath, though, in terms of, of running horse shows? I mean, what 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 would your advice well, be to somebody who is thinking about starting a horse show series or competing against the, the big guys? Well, I was going to say, we're really not trying. We're trying to do something different. You know, we think that our show has a great service and we don't we actually don't think we do any damage to the to the Winter Equestrian Festival. We think we're a place that can, you know, keep clients that are showing at that show happy and then maybe bring some people to South Florida who wouldn't normally come, you know, because they needed a little bit, you know, gentler gentler transition into, you know, show jumping in South Florida. You know, I think we're not really you know, we're not really competition. You know, we're we're a nice, you know, we're we're a nice we're, we're a nice um, alternative is what we alternative. are. Alternative, yeah. What would be a successful year for you this year in terms of the new series? What would you like to see? Would be three hundred exhibitors would be a nice uh, series for us to be able to have. I don't, I'm not so sure I'll have those numbers starting out. But when we prove that the quality of our horse show is at the standards of WEF or Tom Struziri or any AA show like a Lake Placid, where we have the vendor areas and we have the, uh, you know, beautiful uh, VIP tent and brand new show jumps and beautiful footing, I believe that that will attract people to see that there is an alternative to be able to train and bring yourself up to the level of a WEF instead of having WEF be the only horse show in South Florida. And there are, you know, 90% of the jumps in South Florida, if I'm not mistaken, are about a meter 10 and below 90% of the classes, 10% are above it. And that 90% that's at meter 10 and below, you know, that's 90% of the entries in actuality may all not be able to compete fairly uh, against one another at those levels. So we were trying to offer an alternative that some of those that feel a little overfaced would have an option to be able to enjoy South Florida and develop their skills and hone their skills to be able to maybe then compete at such a high level that uh, WEF has set itself at, which is truly one of the greatest horse show series you know, in the world. I mean, there's no question what WEF has turned into. Agreed. In a world where the, the the base of the pyramid seems to be getting narrower and narrower, I think it's nice to have an alternative to the elite horse show and, and have a place to take a young horse or an inexperienced rider. So I really wish you the best, and I hope that this winter is everything that you hope it would be. Well, we're going to try hard at it, and we're not going to give up. If it's not this year, we'll you know, keep at it the next year, and I believe that it'll develop into something that people really want and uh find is a viable alternative to enjoy their experience in South Florida. The best gifts this holiday season come from the Plaid Horse. Check out the Plaid Horse Holiday Gift Guide at thepladhorse.com and subscriptions always make the best gift to put in someone's stocking. Go to thepladhorse.com slash subscribe to learn more. And the gift guide is really exciting. So everybody go online and look at the gift guide. We not only include items to buy, but some interesting charities to donate to in somebody's name. So please look at it. And our art director did just a phenomenal job on it. It's quite beautiful. You'll see some of our favorite brands and tech stores like EQ Lifestyle Boutique in California, which I cannot wait to see at Hits Coachella in a couple weeks. And 
charities like Danny and Ron's Rescue, Thrive Animal Rescue. Um, Brooke USA. Yep. And there's a Catherine Cosmetics and so much exciting stuff going on this holiday season. So don't worry about your Christmas list. We have it. Look on thepladhorse.com. Our second guest on today's podcast is Peter Wild. Peter is an Olympic gold medalist for Team USA in Athens in 2004 and has seen much success in the hunter and jumper ring since then. He's also trained uh, top-level riders, including Annabelle Reavers, to second place in the USEF medal this year at Harrisburg. Welcome, Peter. Thank you very much. Um, so we've been talking about the EAP program on the show, um, and you're the lead clinician from it. I was wondering if you could walk us through the EAP weekend, what goes on each day, um, what you're looking for, and describe a little bit the intensity of the training session. Sure. Um, so we arrive at 16 riders, um, which come from the 10 different regional clinics during the year. Uh, the clinicians, both the riding instructor and the stable manager from the regional clinics, puts forward their recommendations to us as a committee on who they think uh, would might be interesting uh, to compete at the at the national final. Um, so in, usually it's in September, um, we go over the list. It's usually around 30 riders, sometimes 25, sometimes 35 riders, um, that's been put forward and we watch videos. Um, we read the recommendations and then we make a decision who we feel are the strongest 16. Um, and that's based mostly on their, uh, riding ability, um, but also on their, um, uh, enthusiasm to the sport, enthusiasm towards horsemanship and their their willingness to learn and um, the sort of overall picture of them as horsemen and women. Um, so then we get to the national final. Um, uh, it's on a weekend. Usually it's two weekends after the national horse show. This year it was directly after the national horse show. Um, I arrived there on Wednesday. The horses have been loaned to us um, by either the host stable, which quite often is a college, um, but also from people from the surrounding area, which um, have graciously donated horses uh, for the weekend. Um, and we have uh, approximately, we need obviously 16 horses, but we usually are given anywhere between 18 and 20 horses to choose from. And so on Thursday morning, I uh, spend the morning with the committee going through the horses. Sometimes I ride them myself or I watch them be ridden just to make sure that we have sort of solid horses that um, will be useful for us uh, for the weekend. Um, the kids arrive uh, usually by one o'clock on Thursday and um, we have a, actually they arrive by noon and we have a meeting at one um, where we go over everything and explain to them what's going to be happening on the weekend. And then Thursday afternoon, they're able to ride their horses for about 20 minutes. And just we we make sure that the horse is suitable for that rider in that if we have a very, very, very tall person, we don't want that person to be riding a 15 three-hand horse. And, and likewise, if we have a very small person, but usually we don't, we don't change the horses. Um, and then they get an early, they, they have to take care of their own horses. They're sort of assigned the horse and their, and the tack and the equipment they bring some equipment themselves. Um, 
and they're sort of in charge of the horse for the whole weekend, um, feeding, mucking, uh, night check, uh, all aspects of the horse care. Um, there's a stable manager plus um, some EAP kids that have been invited to come to help in the stable. So we have a big group of people that are all working together, learning and, and taking care of the horses over the weekend. Friday, we're the, the riders are divided up into four groups of four. And um, so I teach four um, lessons, if you will, or clinic sessions on Fridays, the first one starting at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, and then the other groups do various activities or um, have meetings or clinics that they work with other people. We have a sports psychologist that works psychiatrist that works with them. We have a physiotherapist that works for them. Um, different vets come and teach them. And then uh, one of the groups during my uh, riding sessions, one of the groups is there to assist me and do jump crew and, and this kind of thing. So it kind of ro- it does a rotation. Um, and the first day, Friday, we work on mostly flat work and some gymnastics, sort of lengthening and shortening exercises. Um, basically just to try to get them to get to know their horse um, and for us to try to assess the horse and figure out how we want to tackle um, uh, the Sunday competition. Um, So we do sort of different um, exercises, communication exercises to get them, you know, to be able to um, really have a good rapport with their horse and be ready to ride a course. Um, Saturday, uh, we work on some lines, um, just to sort of, for them to get to know the length of stride that their horse has and to practice sort of some bending lines and some, again, some lengthening and shortening. Uh, and then Sunday, basically, um, we, we actually build the course on Saturday afternoon altogether and, um, we walk it together. And then Sunday we have an official course walk first thing in the morning. Um, and then Sunday is really a comp- more becomes more of a competition. Um, they uh, are allowed to warm up, um, and we we run it with uh, groups of four. But then this time we have one rider from each group rides first. They do a little warm up, which we all watch, and then they ride their their course. And then we have the second group of four riders, and they ride their course, et cetera, et cetera, like a nation's cup. Um, and then we run the same course again. So they get to ride the course twice. And then at the end of it, uh, we have a meeting. Um, and, uh, of course there's the results of the team competition, which is fun for them and exciting and adds a little extra pressure. There's usually quite a big crowd on that day because the, the riders from the horsemanship quiz challenge are all there watching and supporting. Um, and all of their extended families that have come to support them are there to watch. Um, so we have this sort of interesting part of the competition, which is the Nations Cup. But then we as a committee who are judging, <clears throat> uh, we have to decide who we think are the first and second place riders overall. Um, and this is basically based on their performance over the weekend on how they've worked with this horse, how far we think they've brought the horse. Um, of course, the, the difficulty of the horse factor is weighed in because uh, some people get really easy ones and some people get really hard ones. Um, and basically, who we think is overall the best rider um, and has done also the best performance for the weekend. And then there's sort of some deal breakers of, of you know, the, the, the 
enthusiasm of the rider, the attentiveness of the rider, the horsemanship skills of the rider, um, their interest in learning, all of that can play in and could be a deal breaker. You know, it could mean the, the decision between two riders, one maybe was totally uninterested in taking care of their horse, which fortunately we, we almost never have that. And actually this year, uh, from the stable manager and Thornberry, um, everybody got really, really high marks in the barn and everybody, we had a group of 16 incredibly enthusiastic kids, which was so exciting for all of us because we really felt like, um, this is a passion that these kids have and they all really wanted to be great horsemen and women. So that was really fun. And, uh, yeah, so then it, all, oftentimes it comes down to, we can't really decide, or sometimes it's close that we want to decide to have a ride-off. So there is a jump-off uh, course, um, and we have them switch horses, and we pick a horse that we feel we'd like to see that rider ride. It doesn't necessarily mean two riders switching to each other's horses, although sometimes that happens. Um, and then we ask them to ride this jump-off, not fast, but skillfully, showing that they can make short turns and they can gallop and collect and go forward. And we leave it up to them to decide how much of a show off they want to do in the jump off. Um, and then we just, we factor that in and, and then we make our decision. Uh, oftentimes we've tested four. Um, this, this year we really felt the first two were the two that we wanted to go to the George Morris clinic. Um, but we wanted either one to prove which one was going to be the overall winner. So we had, we, we only tested two or, or had them do the jump off just two riders and they each got a new horse to ride. And, and it was very exciting. And, uh, I'm really happy this year about the results. I think these two riders going to the George Morris clinic, um, will be, uh, be really represent the EAP very, very, very well. Um, and I guess that's one thing that I'd like to say is that it's just, one of the great things about the EAP finals and really aside from the education part of the EAP, but um, the, the invitation that we get for two riders to get to go to the George Morris um, clinic uh, in January in Wellington is, is a huge deal for some of these kids who feel like they, it's so hard to get opportunities. And we've, had it in the past, you know, it's proven that, that some kids that get to go to this from the EAP, it's really changed their careers. Uh, Jacob Pope would be one, but even Danny Roskins last year, you know, she got picked up by John and BZ Madden and, and it, and it really changed her life. Um, and so I would say to any, any young kid who, um, you know, feels like they need a break, well, come to the EAP program and try to win it because if you win it, um, it's a, it's a ticket. It's a really big ticket for you to get exposed to some of the best riders and trainers in the world and to be able to ride in Wellington with some of the best young riders America has to offer. So, um, it, it, that's a really exciting part I find of the EAP program. Absolutely. And the George Morris Horse Mastership Clinic will be live streamed on USEF Network and we'll have live coverage in January on theplathorse.com as it goes. So this year's winner was Gracie Marlowe and second place also going to the George Morris Clinic is Caroline Dance. Um, so Peter, you're one of the few people that can ride at that level and then also teach just as strongly. Um, 
I've watched you at EAP over the years and you're a very empathetic teacher to um, to all the riders. Can you talk about how you honed your teaching skill to, you know, essentially you're oftentimes teaching people that are much less talented than you are and how you kind of learned how to think like they do and, um, and train to that? Because a lot of top riders um, can't figure that out, essentially. I think... I think where it comes from is uh, is I spent a lot of time actually just riding myself and not teaching. I started teaching right when I got out of college, and then I decided that I really wanted to focus on my own um, my own riding for a while. And I, you know, I myself have been a student and a, and a quote unquote a client, um, and I I I sort of feel like um, you know big picture. I like to be, I try to treat my students and my clients the way that I would like to be treated myself. Um, and, um, you can call that do unto others, <laughs> but the, the point is, is that I sort of feel like I never really wanted to be taught, uh, spoken to as a student, um, in a condescending way. Um, I have been in the past when I was younger and it really affected me. And I really feel like the, the best way that you can communicate with any student, no matter what their level is, is to treat them like they're an intelligent person and have a conversation about it rather than being, um, if you will, a dictator. Um, I have always said and always say to all my clients, um, this is a democracy. It's not a dictatorship. And I'm always willing to have uh, an interesting, you know, conversation about anything that we do with your horses. Um, and that works for me. I'm not saying that that works for everybody, but uh, it works for me. And I think my clients appreciate it. My students appreciate it that, you know, there's, I, I get the fact that, you know, I'm a, I'm a passionate horse person that have, has basically lived and breathed horses since I was eight years old. Like, I, I don't know what it is about me, but that's all I do. It's all I want to do. Um, but I get that some people that's not the case. And so when you come from an office job or when you come from a high school and you've got all these other things going on, you're bound to make mistakes. You're bound for it not to go the way that you want it to go. And so it's not like people are intentionally trying to not do well, but they, they, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's not happening. And so I try to work with them with the idea that um, let's try to do this so that we can make the best result possible and, and how can we do it? And so there's always sort of this open dialogue, this open conversation. I try to have students, no matter what the level is, whether they're beginners or whether they're, um, uh, whether they're, you know, really super skillful and advanced, like uh, Annabelle or like Kelly Cruciati, for example, or, or Sheila Burke, I worked with in, in Europe, um, and Jessica Suida, um, these were all incredibly talented riders that I worked with. And, and so it's a different kind of conversation than with someone who's, you know, trying to do three foot hunters. Um, but nonetheless, it's not a different kind of intelligence. And so I try to, all of my students. And what are you looking forward to this winter in Wellington? Well, we have a really busy winter. Uh, we have um, almost 30 horses, um, probably about uh, 20 main ones that 
are going to be showing. I have some really good horses myself that I'm really excited about. Um, and it's been a while since I've been sort of competing at the highest, you know, at the sort of the Grand Prix level. And I started to do that again this summer. Um, with some good success and it, it sort of felt really great again. And I, I realized how much I miss doing that. So that, that'll be exciting for me uh, as a rider to compete at that level. Um, I have, uh, you know, high hopes again for Annabelle um, in all rings, whether it be hunters, equitation or the jumper ring. Um, so that'll be very exciting to work with. And I have two other great students, um, Michelle Kamine and Lisa Shields who do their divisions. And, uh, we just, we have a really great team of, of, of people involved, both as riders and as, you know, my the staff members, my managers, and all of my team that work in the stable. We have a super great team and, uh, we have really good horses. I mean, we've got some really, really nice horses in our stable, um, that, you know, makes it all a lot of fun. It'll, it, it'll be busy. It always is really busy here. I mean, it's, it's sort of relentlessly long, this circuit, but it's at the same time, if we, we try to spread it out and, and map it out, we, we, as the, our horses never show every week, um, I show every week, but, um, the horses always have a much more lenient schedule than we do as, as humans, but, um, I look forward to it. I, I like being here. It's fun. It's exciting. The sport is very exciting here. So, um, I look forward to it. Awesome. You can learn more about the USHA Emerging Athletes Program, EAP, on USHA.org. Thank you so much, Peter. Thanks, Peter. You're very welcome. That was a really exciting interview, and I love when you actually see in action what people are talking about. Um, Peter, treating students with intelligence is something that I've been able to watch at EAP over the last several years, and that's really cool to see. He's really a hero in our sport. I mean, he came up on his own without just doing everything himself and and uh, making it happen for himself without the benefit of of a lot of means. And he is just a, a real gentleman. So I'm I'm proud that we had him on this podcast, and I'm proud that he's part of our our efforts in EAP and HQC and USHJA. Piper, thanks for the opportunity to participate in this podcast and talk to three more exciting guests, and I look forward to the next one. And again, everybody, look at our latest issue, our education issue. You might learn something. Yep. Uh, you can find it in its entirety on the plathorse.com anytime. Uh, you can find uh, the links to today's guests and show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. Um, if you want to read more about Peter, which I highly recommend, Wild Ride, A Horseman's Story by Joe Dottley is available on Amazon. Um, follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook, search Horses in the Morning, or at Horse Radio on Twitter. Um, all Horse Radio Network shows are available on iTunes, HorsesInTheMorning.com, affiliate websites, and Stitcher is where I listen to it on my phone. Um, Horse Radio Network shows travel with you wherever you go get the free horse radio network app and you can listen to all the horse radio network shows right there and you'll never miss an episode follow the plaid horse magazine on instagram at the plaid horse mag on facebook and read the current issue of the plaid horse magazine on the plaidhorse.com you can read a past issues of peter wilde's uh, go to college in the education issue november december 2015 on the plaid as well Thank you to our sponsors, EponaExchange.com and Inside Your Ride, the podcast. 
coming January 2017. Listen to a preview of Inside Your Ride, the podcast, coming January 2017 here. Coming to the podcast in January 2017, Inside Your Ride, a new podcast with host and mental skills coach, Tanya Johnston. How hard do you train to improve your riding? What about mental skills? Equestrians need more than just physical strength. Mental toughness matters too. Motivated by the success of her book, Inside Your Ride, Tanya Johnston now launches Inside Your Ride, the podcast. Listen to learn the benefits that happen when you combine mental training with physical workouts. Become a more confident and focused rider. A lifelong equestrian, Tanya has run a thriving mental skills coaching practice for more than 20 years. Her private clients include professional and amateur riders around the United States and Europe. And Tanya speaks at events around the country to help athletes increase mental toughness and confidence. In January, for the third time, Tanya will work with the participants of the George Morris Horse Mastership Training Session. Thanks to Tanya Johnston, thousands of riders have learned to enjoy riding with more focus and confidence. Look for Inside Your Ride in January and experience Tanya's approach to building mental toughness. Get ready for real conversations with equestrians you can relate to and new techniques that will make you more confident in the saddle.